The saying of Jesus might be fulfilled that he spoke, signified by what death he should die. Then Pilate entered the Praetorium again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered him, Are you speaking to yourself about this or to others about this concerning me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation, the chief priest, has delivered you to me. What about you? What have you done? And Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, uh, world, if my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight so that I should not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from these. Pilate therefore said to him, Are you a king then? Jesus answered, You say rightly that I am a king. For this cause I was born, and for this cause I came into the world, that I should bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said to him, What is truth? And when he had said this, he went out again, and the Jews with him said, We find no fault in him. But you have a custom that I should release someone to you at the Passover. Do you therefore want me to release uh, and release to you the king of the Jews? And they all cried again, saying, Not this man, but Barabbas. Now Barabbas was a robber. Today you will be with me in paradise. He told his mother, Woman, behold thy son, and son, behold thy mother, to God, his mother. She said, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And he said, I think. And he said, It is finished. The final thing from the cross, and he said, I think. Pilate, the Bible tells us, knew the real reason they wanted to kill him because it tells us over in Matthew 27, verse 22, it says they were envious of him. Well, I wonder how many people are envious of other people and that's the motivation of why they do what they do. Pilate asked seven questions in this small time. So just like Jesus said seven things from the cross, Pilate asked seven questions. And this is what the Lord has led me to when I got up. I believe to a great degree there are the same questions that you and I will ask at some point in our life. Pilate did not want to be there, by the way. He would have rather been at Caesarea on the beach. We've been there. And it was a place where Caesar came to spend his vacations and things. It was a beautiful place. 
Mediterranean Sea and, and Caesarea, and it was made for the comfort of, of the hierarchies of the Roman Empire. That's where predominantly the pilot lived, and he would have much rather been at Caesarea than to be in Jerusalem. In fact, that's where he stayed most of the time. But every year during the Jewish, Jewish feast of Passover, he had to go to Jerusalem because of enormous crowds that had that were there and the possibility of any kind of problem or insurrection that happened if they wanted him there. The Jews hated Pilate. And the reason they hated Pilate is because Pilate took pictures of Caesar and he posted them all over Jerusalem. And he expected people to worship Caesar and to bow down to him. And so they hated him. Pilate's problem was he had to satisfy the Jews, though, in order to keep his job. And that's why he was there. He got the job by satisfying the Jews. And now he would, and he will only last there till about 38 A.D. And when finally he's accused of some things and he's taken away. So we see a picture here today of Jesus. He's a conspiracy. This one. We think that Caiaphas, the high priest, and the Jews entertained that he had done it. That they were trying to prove, but it was all a lie. It's interesting that what we see here is religion on display. That's what we see. Religion here is set against the backdrop of Jesus Christ, and we've got to understand that. There are a lot of people who are religious today. Religion, religion is, is man's attempt to get to God. Christianity is God's attempt to get to you. That, that in religion, we're trying to make it by works of righteousness, which the Bible says that we, cannot, we cannot do. The Bible says that, by, that, that no works of righteousness will lead us to that place. And in fact, it tells us that no man shall be justified by the works of the law, by keeping the Ten Commandments, which we cannot keep, or by the firm power, by the Sermon on the Mount. We cannot. I heard tons of people that talk about how they live by those things. But but even if you try to live those, the Sermon on the Mount is, is the Ten Commandments on steroids. You can't do it. That's the problem. Religion is man's attempt to try to get to God, trying to satisfy God. He's already told us that there's no other name given under heaven that men might be saved. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father." Except by me, the only way that we can get to the Father is through Jesus Christ. We see religion here set against the backdrop of Jesus Christ, and how true that the Christian faith in Jesus Christ exposes religion to be the sham that it is. We see the one who comes to fulfill the Passover. He's going to die on the cross because we're bringing the death sentence against him. The Pharisees want to eat the Passover, but they don't want to go inside the judgment hall. If they go in the judgment hall, they would pollute themselves and be considered unclean, and then they could not partake of the Passover. There's something concerned about this. Listen to this. And this is religion against Christianity. They can't go in a room that Gentiles are in, but it's okay to participate in the murder of, a, of, a, of an innocent man. The Bible says over in the book of Romans, chapter 1, three times it says there that God gave them up. He gave them over to a sexual revolution. He gave them up to a homosexual revolution. And then it tells us this in Romans 1.28. He 
gave them over to a reprobate mind or a debased mind. What's a reprobate mind? Or what's a, uh, uh, what's a reprobate mind or a de- debased mind? It is simply that that person cannot tell what's right or wrong. The Bible tells us that we come in a day that when men would call those things that we know are right to be wrong and those things that are wrong to be good. That's the day that you and I live in. And that's what we're seeing in this country, in this present time. How can a person advocate and promote abortion, but then act as if they're so concerned about the health of people? How can we how can we talk about the COVID virus and it could kill children? And all the time, 100 miles down the road from here, in a place in Louisville, Kentucky, an abortion clinic, they're killing babies. Can I tell me that when you kill 60 million babies a year, or, or, or how many that we've killed, whatever the number is, it's, it's up there, that, that God is not going to just overlook all that? I'm afraid maybe we're on the verge of getting exactly what we asked for. You know, how can a person be against the nuclear family? The Bible tells me in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 2, it says, Speaking lies of hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron. What does that mean? There are three types of burns. There's, there's, there's redness, and then there is there's first degree, which is redness, or second degree, which is blister, and then there's third degree. What is that? That's scar tissue. That simply means it gets down into the flesh and the nerves and beyond healing. They have their conscience seared with a hot iron. Psalms 2 and 3 says, The kings of earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, against His anointed saying. And then it says this, Let us break their bonds in pieces and cast away their cords from us. What does that say? We don't want to do what you tell us to do. We want to be free to do whatever we want to do. We want to be able to do it when we want to do it. That's Psalms 2. But it's also the second part of Black Lives Matter. They said, we want to do what we want to do. Do I believe that black people are important? Yes, I do. I've got too many black friends. I believe that there, well, there's no difference between black and white. I believe that we ought to lift them up. I don't think, I don't like it, some of the things that's happened to, to black people through the years. But by the same token, don't tell me you know, some of those things. That's not that. And I guarantee you, many of the black people don't, don't like, uh, don't like, African Americans don't like what's happened to some of this stuff.
in your in your in your marriage like you should. That's exactly the same way with Jesus. He came to him, many of us came because we didn't want to go to hell. We knew that. But we also fell in love with him. Because of the very fact that we knew he died in my place. He died in my place. And has it gone so with a, a relationship with him has become so dangerous? Has it become so dangerous? It's also interesting how the Jews absolutely would not go inside the judgment hall so they would or if they had them, they would have polluted themselves and, and they couldn't have gone through the Passover. But look at this scene. If you read this, look how many times. It's seven times. Verse 29, Pilate went out. Verse 33, Pilate entered. Verse 38, he went out. Verse 19, one, Pilate took Jesus and scourged him, hoping that would satisfy the Jews. 19.4, Pilate went out towards again. 19.9, went again into the judgment hall and brought Jesus forth. In and out and in and out seven times. Why? If the Jews had taken Jesus and had put him to death according to their law, they would have stoned him. But you see, that would not fulfill prophecy. Because Psalm 22 is written in the 10th century B.C., long before the Romans ever brought Jesus' crucifixion in. Listen to what it says in verse 14 through 18. He says, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is full like wax, and it's melted within me. My strength is dried up like potsherds, and my tongue clings to my jaws. And you've brought me to the dust of death, for dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Uh, I can count on my bones. I look to stare at me. They divide my garments among them, and from my clothing that they cast lots, which is the only book of the world. Having become a curse for us, what is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on to Jesus came into this world to do one thing, to die. He came to die for us, but he had to be crucified. He had to hang on the tree. He had to hang on the tree. So, verse 29, the first question, the first question that was asked, that he asked in verse 29, he says this, he says simply, Pilate, then went out to them and said, What accusation do you bring against this man? But they had known it. They knew it. Pilate knew it, but he Pilate wanted to keep his job, so he went along, even though his wife had warned him in a dream had nothing to do with this man. There comes a time when every person comes to a place that they see who Jesus really is. The absolute sinless perfection, the pure and righteous Son of the living God, and He was given for me. He, he's not just a historical figure. That if you listen to many of the people on in television, they talk about Jesus as if He is just a historical figure. He's just like every other man. And there are many religions out there that teach that, that that baby in the manger was not God. But I want to tell you something. If that baby in the manger was not God and God incarnate, then you and I are still in our sins. Because it's the pure blood flowing through the veins of that little baby. The baby Jesus takes away the sins of the entire world. You know? Verse 33 and 35. So he's not just a, he's not just a historical figure. 
But now, many are even teaching today, they're going back to what First John says, and if you know what an uh, agnostic is, well, the whole book of First John, chapter 1, deals with those uh, Gnosticism, which says that God was too pure to become a man. That he would never have become a man because of that. And so they say what the disciples actually saw, they just saw spirits they did not really behold a man. But this is exactly what you read when John says, when John says over in First John, when he reads it, you read it when he says simply to us, that which we have was from the beginning, which was we heard, which we've seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon, our hands and handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested, and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you that the eternal life which was with our Father was manifested to us. We saw the living person of God. God incarnate what we saw.
realize it, why how he missed out on the greatest opportunity that a man can have. Jesus said he's coming to this world for this purpose, to be the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. Paul asked the second question. He asked it twice, are you a king of the Jews? And then verse 33, he said, are you a, a, are you a king? Pilate asked in verse 33, and Jesus answered in verse 34, and listen to what he answered. He said, are you speaking for yourself about this, or did others tell you concerning You see, everything that God wants to do, He wants to do with you. Nobody, God doesn't have a group plan going to glory. Grandfather was a preacher. That's great, but you can't ride in on his coattails. Because your mom and dad went to church and they had Sunday school pens that went all the way down to the floor, doesn't mean a thing. That's good for them. But we all have to come to a place that we understand that, that He takes care of. John says in verse twelve and verse thirteen, First John, yeah, chapter John. Listen to what it says. But as many as received Him. To them he gave the right to become the children of God. And those, and first off, what does it mean to become a child of God? He will believe on his name and son. And then he goes on to verse 13. Who were born, not of blood. That's what the Jews said. The Jews said, we're Abraham's son. They, they also said this, we're not under the obligation to any man. And yet here they are looking at the Jews, uh, looking at the Romans, and they realize the Romans are absolutely totally controlled them who were born not of blood, nor of the will of man. No man can either. You've got to come. It's got to be between you and the Lord, or of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. It's an individual thing. Third question is found over in verse 35, and he asked this question. He says this, Pilate answered, Am I a Jew your own nation, and your chief priests have delivered you to me? What have you done? really is nothing that they say. But look at Jesus' answer in verse 36. Jesus answered and he said, My kingdom. Oh, I want you to hear this. And I, and I think if there's a reason that God, I mean, we're so tore up about all this election and all this other stuff uh, that, that's happening all around us and, and uh, you know, what this is going to happen and Lord, the Lord's got to be here any minute and everything. And I really believe, in, and listen guys, I believe in the rapture. I believe that Jesus is coming, and I believe He's coming soon. But my job is to do this, prepare you looking for the rapture first. That's what the first thing I've got to do. But the second thing I've got to do is prepare you to live in that moment or that time that until He comes. And He has told us, listen to this church, He's told us that what we're to do in this time in between is to occupy what does that mean? It means exactly what Jesus did when he was 12 years old. His mom and dad came looking for him, and they couldn't find him. What did he say? I have to be about what? My father's business. Let me just say this to you. You and I, yes, Jesus is coming, and yes, we're looking for him, and that's the next sign that we're looking for. We're not looking for any other signs. All the signs have been completed, but here's what we're looking for. We're looking for him to come. But let me just say this to you. Here's what we're to do. We're to be looking, or we know not what time's coming, uh, when that's going to be coming in the times that we expect not. 
we're to be ready and we're to be about our Father's business. God's given you a lifeboat, and He says simply this, you get as many in there as you possibly can before I get out of here. That's what you're supposed to be doing. And that's not just for me a preacher. That's for you. I set a goal this year, we're going to see 25 people saved in this church for the years old. We're already down to 24. Who are you bringing? Who in your family needs to know the Lord? Who are you praying for? Who do you put in that box there that's a prodigal box that you put it in there that you're now praying that that person will come to the Lord? And how? who are you looking? How are you looking to have that door of opportunity in your life to speak to that person? That's what we're supposed to be doing. Occupy till He comes. And so Jesus says this, and listen to what He says. He says this, Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would fight, so that if I should not be delivered to the Jews, but now my kingdom is not from not from here. Pilate is out on the limb. He doesn't want to be there. He's wrestling with what to do. And sometimes the Lord takes you and I and He puts us into places that we know what is the right thing to do, to be, to be able to do. And that's called character. And by the way, you can teach character to your child. And that just doesn't mean you can just say no. You can teach them how to not tell them how to tell the truth. You can teach them how to, how to be a lady. You can teach them how to have manners. You can teach them. That's character. My mama drilled that stuff into my head so many times. She even taught me that when I walk down the street, that I, and I, that I'm walking down the street, and here's the street. If I'm out here and Cricket's here, I have to get over here and put her here. My mama drilled that in my head. She taught me how to eat my food with my mouth closed. She taught me how to dress. I hate this part. She never thinks she wanted me to wear this part. That's why I wear some of the clothes I wear now. I don't want to wear that kind of stuff anymore. When I get the head on one of these things, I'm going to tell her. Okay. So, but, but the whole point of what, I, what am I saying? I'm saying... Character can be taught. It's called character. And if a person walks away from what is right, it will resonate in your life from now on unless they give it to the Lord. This is a time in my life that, this, that I was put in a position that somebody wanted me to lie to. And I had to go to them and I said, Listen, I love you and I care about you, but I won't lie to you. I won't lie to you. That person got mad. The Lord calls us true for the child of God. There's something that is inside every one of us that says there's something that is bigger and greater and purer and that one day we'll stand and we're going to give an answer. Some kings would force you to bow. The Lord comes to each one of us and gently and quietly asks, Will you allow me to be your king? That's what He's doing right now. Until the 19th chapter of the book of Revelation opens up, and he comes riding down here on a white horse. The Lord comes to each one of us in a gently and quiet way. Romans 10, 9 says, If we confess Christ as what? Lord. Remember that? If we confess Christ as Lord. Is He your Lord? Or do you do pretty much, you live your life how you want to? 
Is He Lord? Or is He not Lord? Is He your King? Is He King of Kings and Lord of Lords in your life, in your domain? Or is He that person that's there? Do you live your life that way? Those who refuse to bow, it appears they're going to, to get away with doing what they, they want, dastardly things. And we look at this election, and we look at all these other things, and we think, oh, Lord, I don't understand. How can these people do what they do? And the psalmist asked that question, and we've gone over that before. Why is it that the wicked prosper? Why are the things happening in us in the way it is? Listen, Galatians 6, 7 says, Be not deceived. God's not mocked. Whatsoever man sows, that shall he also read. Read, but when I read something like I read verse thirty-six, what's it, what's it tell me? It simply tells me there. It tells me simply that that Jesus answered, "My kingdom is not of this world." Now, I want you to hear this. Now, I don't care what Washington D.C. said. I don't care what CNN said. I don't care what Fox said. I don't care what all these other pundits are saying out there. I want you to listen to this. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. The most magnificent kingdom is the kingdom of heaven. And all other kingdoms cannot compare to the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not affected by other kingdoms who are here. It seems to, uh, it seems to be feeling the pressure. It, it, is it not Jesus? Is, is Pilate? Are you king of the Jews? Jesus doesn't feel any pressure. It's Pilate that feels the pressure. For if my kingdom was in this world, then would my servants come and fight for me, and I would not be delivered to the Jews. But now my kingdom is not from here. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus and they just fell back? <laughs> well, they're going to reach out and take him, and they just fell back. What power this man had. But he, he restrained himself from that. But also remember that Peter cut off mouth in the field. Because the Bible says all. 
godly will suffer persecution. If we as a church that stand for the truth, if we decide we're going to live godly, we're going to pay for it. And it's coming. Do you really believe that the kingdom of heaven is waiting to see what happens in Washington, D.C.? I mean, do you really believe that? Do you, you really believe or, or, or that Joe Biden's going to do it? In the book of Daniel, chapter 4, kingdoms are mentioned, and all have passed away. Babylonian means Persian, Roman, or Greeks and Romans, all those great kingdoms, and they all passed away. One night, Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel 4.30, he walked, the king, he walked through his kingdom, and he's looking at everything, and he's saying, Is not this the great Babylon that I have built for a royal dwelling at my mighty power and for the honor of my majesty? While the word was still in the king's mouth, a voice fell from heaven. King Nebuchadnezzar, to you it's spoken, the kingdom has all those magnificent, mighty kingdoms are gone. But the kingdom of God standing. Amen? And we need to realize that. I don't care what uh, everybody does. I don't care. They may steal an election. They may do all this other stuff. But I'm going to tell you something. God's kingdom will go forth. And He even said, My church, the gates of hell, cannot prevail against The Lord's not waiting for the White House to move. No, on the contrary, they better get ready for there's coming a movement that's going to come from on high. And I believe my job is twofold to get you to the church ready and coming of the Lord, but also to realize in these last days of perilous times will come to us. Jesus once talked to the Pharisees, and he said this in Luke 17, verse 20, 21. He says, Now he says, Now when he was asked by the Pharisees, when is the kingdom of God would come? They're asking him, when is the kingdom of God? And this is why we're, when, when is the Lord going to wrap this out? And I believe we're in that season, guys. You hear this church all the time. I believe we're in that season. But listen to what he said. But when would the kingdom come? He answered and said to them, the kingdom of God does not come with observation. Then he said this in verse 21. Nor will they say, see here or see there. For indeed, listen to what he said, the kingdom of God is within you. Listen. The kingdom of God is already here. We're just waiting for the actual fact of when He comes to get us. We're already here, guys. Wake up. Smell the poppy. Amen? He's asking, what are you going to do for the kingdom of God right now? That's what we're asking. Yes, He's coming in a time we expect not. And we are to be ready, but the kingdom of God is now. And until He comes to get us, we're to be about our Father's business. Here's the fourth question. I, I know I got it. Here's the fourth question, verse 38. Pilate asked this. He says, What is truth? Well, that's the end of the day today. What is truth? Verse 38, he asked this question. What is truth? Jesus said, Everyone who is of good truth hears my voice. And Pilate says, Well, what is truth? In this culture, what truth is, the definition of truth, it thinks that we all create our own truth, which is relativism, that's the word I couldn't think of this morning, our situational ethics. How do we answer the three great philosophical questions of our life? How do we answer them? See, this is 
much we all got the answers. We don't want to talk about truth. What do you mean by that, Luke? I'm asking three, three great questions that only I believe only the Bible can answer. What is it? Where did I come from? What's my origin? What am I here for? What's my purpose in life? No other philosophy can answer that. Only God, Christianity, and the Word of God can tell me where I, where I came from, can tell me why I'm here. I'm here to bring glory and honor to Him and tell me what my destiny is. And you know what my destiny is? My destiny is not to become to an age of enlightenment and like Buddhism and all this kind of stuff. No, my destiny is to go see my Lord. Not only to go see my Lord, but see my mama, see my daddy, and other people that's gone on before me, and to see my Lord. That's all I'm going to ask. How do we answer the three philosophical questions? Just see the Lord. If I said to you, it's snowing outside, would that be true or false? So the only way that something is true is that it corresponds to reality. Evolution, our, as our children are being taught in our schools, I spent 30 years of my life there. Don't tell me it's right. Evolution is being taught in our schools. There is no reality to our evolution. What do you mean by that? They can't prove it. All you got to do is you can blow their whole thing. Anybody that believes in evolution, all you got to do is ask one question, and it will blow the whole idea. What is it? Can one species evolve into another species? And Show me the example. Now, they're going to go over to the Zopolis Islands or someplace like that and show how birds speak changes. Well, everything evolves within their species. Now, I'm not asking you that. I'm asking you to tell me how one species evolves into another species. They can't do it. Why? Because it's a fear. It's a lie. That's what it is. It's a lie. So what's the basic message of the Bible? The answer is this. The answer to the three great questions. God wants you to know where you came from. You were created by a loving Heavenly Father. What's your purpose? To bring glory and honor. Where are you going? You're going to heaven. Parents, you need to teach your children. Listen, kids, and I really mean this. I'm not, this, is not part, this is not part of my, I just a sermon point or whatever. I want you to hear this, and I'm going to try to help you to do this in the weeks and months coming. You need to teach your children the Christian worldview because I'm going to tell you why. If you don't, they're not going to hear anything else. They're not going to hear anything about creation. They're not going to hear anything about the Bible. They, in fact, the Bible's trying try to be, they're right now trying to put it away. These preachers that are now using, I don't do that. They don't go there. Just taking the book. You know, I, I just really believe part of Satan is when life waits for it. I can no longer go buy a Bible that can hold my hand.
he's always been. He's the great I am. I don't think at any any time Pilate could comprehend that in, in, in the condition he was in at this time. Here's the sixth question. Do you know that I have the power to crucify and power to release you? And that's where we are. We're scared to death. We think all these powers out there, and we don't, they have no power. Listen to, what, listen to what Jesus says in 19 verse 11. And Jesus answered, You should not have in no power at all against me unless it has been given to you from above. Therefore, the one who delivered me to you has greater sin. Seventh question, and that seventh question is found over in Matthew 27, 22. Pilate said to them, Then what shall I do with you who is called Christ? They all said to him, What shall I do with you? What shall I do with you? It is a question that every one of us has to answer. You take God.